Well, I'm totally excited about this new message series, which we're beginning today, and that's for a couple of reasons. Number one, you are going to see and hear about a miracle-working Jesus that is still at work in this world, I believe today, and as much as he ever has before. He's not walking the earth as he once did, but he is still active and present. Secondly, I'm very excited about it because many of you are going to grasp that God is able to do a miracle for you or in the life of somebody that you love. Now, uh, in this series, uh, let's go ahead right up front, and I'll do it briefly. I want to just mention in sort of a simplistic fashion what we might would call a miracle. What is a miracle? Now, a lot of things, a lot of things are called miracles, you know, that are not miracles, that are good things and positive things and wonderful things, but not a, a miracle like in the biblical sense of the word miracle. But an authentic miracle is when our great God in heaven intervenes with something here on earth. Let me say that again. A miracle, an authentic biblical idea of a miracle would be this idea of our great God, our powerful God in heaven, when he intervenes in some way with a circumstance here on earth. Uh, I like what Timothy Keller has written. Some of you have read some of his words. This is what he says concerning miracles. He said, if there is a creator God, there is nothing illogical at all about the possibility of miracles. After all, If he created everything out of nothing, it would hardly be a problem for him to rearrange parts of it as and when he wishes. So we're going to talk about miracles starting today. I don't know that we've ever done a series in the time that we've been here just in regards to miracles. And we're going to do it today and for the next uh, couple of weeks. But before we get there, I'm interested. I'm curious. This matters a lot to me because I care about you. I love you. I, I think about I am so blessed. I feel so blessed that I get the responsibility that God's granted to me to be a part of you. And so I care about you and I pray for you and it concerns me what's going on in your life. How many of you would just say right up front in some area of your life, and it may be big, it may be not as like a a massive, gargantuan kind of situation, but how many of you would say that in your own life personally, you need some some miracle of some kind these days? You just need a miracle. I'm not going to ask you to tell me or anybody else, but you need a miracle in some area of your life. How many of you that it's not you personally, but you have like a close friend or a family member, and they come to your mind even now, and you're like, you know what? I'm doing okay right now. Things are pretty good in my life. Not perfect because nobody has a perfect life, but boy... I've got a family member. I've got a friend. I've got somebody in my life that needs a miracle. If that's you, would you just sort of wave at me? Somebody that you know, somebody that you love, somebody that you appreciate. So miracles, we're going to talk about them in three ways. Today, we're going to talk about the miracles of deliverance. And some of you are saying, wow, this is going to get really weird. It's going to get really spooky. And it's not. But we need to talk about it because the Bible talks about miracles of deliverance. And then next week, we're going to talk about you're going to want to be here and you're going to want to bring somebody with you because we're going to talk out of this scriptures about miracles of protection. How many of you know that God is protecting you even at times when you don't even know you're being protected by God? You can't see it, but God is protecting you. God is watching over you. And so we're going to talk about that next Sunday. I hope you'll be here. Bring somebody with you. And then the final week, two weeks from today, I'm going to talk about uh, right out of the scriptures, miracles of healing, because some of you 
you have somebody in your life that you care about and they need healing in their body or maybe even in their emotions or maybe that's you and you're just like, hey, I've had this chronically, this has been plaguing me or, or there seems to be no obvious answers and you're saying, are, are you really going to pray and trust God for miracles in my life and the people that I bring with me? And I'm saying, why not? The Bible says to pray and expect that God is able to perform miracles. We're going to be believing that together over these next couple of weeks and beyond. Uh, I want to take a little time this morning to talk about these miracles of deliverance. And it may be a good thing that I did not announce. I announced miracles last week, but not the particular topics weekly. And it may be a good thing that I did not announce this one in advance. See, you're already here. And this one probably is going to be the most unique one we're going to talk about. It's going to feel, and when I just talk about even the miracles of deliverance, and we're going to be talking about, you, you know, the devil and uh, like demonic forces. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, uh, you know, that sounds so eerie. That's hair raising. That sounds so bu bizarre to me. I wish I'd known that, you know, ahead of time. Like you'd say, hey, I can't watch a scary movie. And so I'm not, uh, you know, I don't want to hear about that subject. So I wouldn't, be but guess what? You're here. Look at the person next to you and say, you're here. Just look at him, all right? And then say one other thing to him. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> Just tell him, you're not going anywhere. And they're going to say, why? One other thing. Because the doors are locked. <laughs> Just happen. Not really. And the reason that we need to talk about the miracles of deliverance, not in a spooky, bizarre kind of way, is because it's mentioned quite a lot in the scripture. So we cannot simply ignore it, nor should we ignore it. It's just said, I mean, you follow the ministry of Jesus in the New Testament, you just see again and again how that Jesus was up and how he would perform miracles of deliverance. And a lot of times we just think well, it's like a possession issue only, and, and it's broader than that. But, um, you know, maybe you're here today and you're like, all right, Jeff, I'm, you know, I know you're a preacher and I know you need to talk about these kind of things from time to time. But, you know, Jeff, really, I, I don't believe in the devil. I, I don't believe that there are, uh, are evil forces of darkness. I don't believe there's demonic spirits. I don't believe in Satan. Uh, or maybe that's not you, but you've got people in your life that are always chirping in your ear. Why do you even believe that stuff? Why do you believe the Bible? Why do you believe there's Jesus? There's not a heaven. There's not a hell. There's not a God. There's not a devil and all of these kind of things. However, this is what I want to say. All right. You're with me right here. Listen, the devil is fine with you not believing or somebody you know not believing in his existence. He's fine with that. In fact, I wonder if he even prefers that, to not even believe that he has an existence because here's what happens. He or his demonic operators create havoc and people are left not only hurt, but confused if they don't understand that there are so many pains and so many challenges and so many troubles and tri uh, tribulations and trials and temptations in life that the evil one is behind. And yet if a person says, I, I don't even believe in all that, I don't, you know, I believe in only the world that I can see and hear and touch like the tangible world. And there's not like this spiritual world and there's nothing like going on behind the scenes. Well, if you believe that, then you'd really have to toss out a good, a good, a uh, good chunk of the Bible because the Bible speaks about this. And, you know, 
Uh, that's why we need to talk about it. And, and maybe it is a good thing we're talking about it the very first week. But I think it's going to be helpful if you'll hang in here with me and you'll give me your best attention. You'll just sort of give me every bit of your mental horsepower for the next few moments. I think you're going to learn something today that's going to be very, very helpful to you. So before we wade out into this form of uh, miracle, I want you to look at a key verse in regards to this. This is uh, Paul. He's writing to believers living in a place called Ephesus. And this is what he's telling Christians who are living there in a part of that church. He says, we are not fighting against humans. All right. A lot of times we think that's who we're fighting against. We're fighting against people. We got enemies, people we don't like, people that have done us wrong. But Paul says, hey, listen, at the end of the day, we are not fighting against humans. We're actually fighting against, look at some of these words. We're fighting against forces and what else? And authorities and against rulers of darkness and powers in the spiritual world. Some of you are saying, I don't even believe that, right? Hang with me. And I want you to hear Paul out on this matter. And what Paul would say, all right? And you've already captured it. I know what Paul is saying, your real battle is not with people. Your real battle is not with your boss. Your real battle is not with your ex. It's not your in-laws, even though you think it may be your in-laws. It's not your in-laws. It's not even that jerk at the place where you work. These are not your enemies. This is not where our real battle is. Our real battle, this is according to Paul, and Paul's a pretty smart guy. Early church outside of Jesus wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else. And he says, our real battle is actually with the devil. Our real battle is actually with fallen angels, with demonic forces. And you're like, what, what, what? My head is, you know, already filled, and I don't even know where we're going with this talk. And so we need to do a quick overview here, and then I'm going to talk to you uh, for the next 24, 25 minutes about this. So hang in here with me, all right? So uh, is there a real instance of the devil? And so what's his origin? Where did he come from? Now, before I get to that, uh, interesting uh, conversation. Do any of you know that I have grandkids? Have I ever, have I ever mentioned that here before, that I have uh, grandkids? So got them FaceTiming uh, them uh, this morning. They're, they were getting ready for church, had a chance. Hi, Kenley. Hi, Landry. Hi, Brody. Papa loves you, blah, blah, blah. So having that. Well, Brody's been having some trouble with ear infection in, in both ears. So uh, this week, Kenley, who's five, went to her mom and, uh, and she went to her mom and she was concerned about her little brother and she went to her mom and she said, mom, does, uh, does Brody still have his devil ear infection? Not double, devil ear infection. <laughs> but how many of you know your ear hurts bad enough, you feel like the devil's got something to do with it, right? So maybe she's not too far off. Does he still have his devil ear infection? Well, where does the devil come from? Where's Satan? And actually, if you trace it back all the way to the origin of this, it goes back to uh, what a name that uh, Satan was actually known by uh, way, way prior to his time when he was uh, working in collaboration with the evil spirits. And we'll get to that. But uh, he was Lucifer. He was a rather, uh, think about this, the devil at one point was a rather high-ranking angel. He was Lucifer, like a high-ranking angel in heaven. But he was not content. And there's so many things I could just, I could just fill up these minutes just sort of talking about that. But there's so many topics I want to cover because we only have one Sunday to do it. But uh, he was not, Lucifer was not content to just serve God. You would think to be in heaven and to be able to serve God and to be one of God's angels, that that would be enough. But, but that was not enough for Lucifer because he was not content to serve God. 
His problem was he actually wanted to be God. And there's not going to be two gods. So what does God do? God actually casts Lucifer out of heaven. And when he is cast out of heaven, he actually takes one third, one third of the angels with him. One third of the angels with him when Lucifer, Satan, is kicked out of heaven. Demons or demonic spirits are actually, think about this, maybe you've never thought about it in this context, but are actually fallen angels. So again, and I'm just simplistic overview, this is not deep, this is not complex, very simple, but it, uh, it's sort of the baseline for what we're going to talk about. So there's one devil, all right, you with me on that? One devil, but, uh, or Satan, Lucifer, but there's many demons. And what angels are to God, this is a good way to remember it, what angels are to God, demons are to the devil. Now, early on in this talk, I want to go ahead and toss this out, something for you to chew on. There are a couple of significant mistakes that are often made in regards to demonic influence. All right, a couple of mistakes. Uh, I'm not talking about possession or, you know, or oppression, and we can get technical on the terminology. Let's keep it in this uh, context right here. Uh, let's just say the influence, the activity of the evil one. And uh, there's a couple of mistakes that we make in regards to that when we're trying to think it through. First of all, and you may want to write some notes uh, this morning. First of all, demonic influence can be overemphasized. Demonic influence can be overemphasized. And by that, I mean, and here's just an easy way of saying it, you know, uh, it's overemphasized. There's a demon behind, you know, every tree. There's a demon behind, you know, uh, every, every bush. There's a demon behind or underneath every rock. And, and so uh, this whole idea of uh, demonic uh, influence can be overemphasized. In fact, can I just tell you this, and I don't have time to camp out on this either, but I'll just mention it. A lot of times uh, people can, again, this overemphasis of demonic influence can, can uh, actually attribute to, uh, to demonic influence something that will help them to negate their own personal responsibility. It's a lot of you, most all of you, are way, 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 way young, uh, too young, to remember a comedian's line from many, many years ago who used to say, and some of you will be able to finish the older ones. You may not want to do it because you'll give up your age. And I only know this because older people told me <laughs> this, this expression, the devil, made, the devil made me do it. Well, the devil didn't make you do everything that you do that is wrong. You know, uh, some people can say, well, the devil is, you know, and I, I know, I'm not making lie. Uh, somebody can say, well, the devil attacked my finances. Well, yeah, I, I believe the devil will attack your finances. But I also know that, that if you don't have a budget and you spend m money wildly on anything at any time and you just blow money like crazy and you've just got yourself into a pickle financially, the devil has not attacked your finances. You've made some mistakes. Are you with me on that? So don't blame the devil. As Dave Ramsey would say, just look at the person in the mirror because normally the person in the mirror is the person that's responsible. And of course, there's exceptions to that. So first of all, demonic influence can be overemphasized. But secondly, the flip side of that is demonic influence can be underemphasized. More problems than a lot of people think are actually generated by the devil. 
uh, things that we just say because, again, we're not, we're generally in the course of a day not really thinking this all the way through because we're just trying to, to do the normal kind of life things. Go to school, go to work, pay the bills, take care of the kids, uh, you know, take care of our responsibilities around the house. And we're not really thinking this through necessarily, but I think it's important for us to have some understanding in regards to this. And, and listen, if you ever try to convince me that there's not a devil, there's not spiritual forces of wickedness, there's not like... This world that you and I cannot see with our natural eyes, we can see this tangible world that there's a whole nother world, uh, angels and demons and God and the devil. If you try to convince me that that doesn't exist, it's going to be an effort in your uh, effort and futility because at this point in my life, I've, I've seen too much. I've, I've seen too much. I have seen circumstances, and I'm not going to get into them because it's not the time and the place, but I have seen circumstances, situations, and you know me. I'm a rather reserved, logic-minded kind of guy, but I have seen situations where there was no doubt, not just uh, demonic influence, but demonic possessions and people being, you know, being delivered and, and voices that I knew uh, people, and I knew their normal voice, and this was not their normal voice, and, and the activity. And I mean, it's mind-blowing. So if you ever came to me and said, well, Jeff, I just don't believe that, well, then that's your business, but you'll never convince me. And demonic influence is often, uh, dependent on the setting and dependent on the persons involved, can just be overemphasized that everything's the devil, everything's the demon, everything. But then a lot of people underemphasize that. So what are demonic spirits up to? And we need to address that. What is their plan? What is their strategy? And again, I want to give you some things to jot down. And maybe you've never thought through this, but this is what the scriptures talk about. We're going to look at some scriptures today. Uh, so let me just walk you through three things. And this is not an all-inclusive list, but three primary things that demonic spirits are up to. Their plan, their strategy. Number one, the devil or demons want to tempt you and entice you to sin. All right? Now, you and I have this fallen nature, and, uh, and we're not going to chase that, but you and I have this fallen nature within us. I mentioned it earlier when we were uh, taking communion that you and I are, are born with a fallen nature. Nobody has to teach us how to sin. Now, uh, you've, how many of you, you've got kids or grandkids, all right? And you didn't have to teach them how to have little sinful behaviors. Now, I know that my three are an exception to everybody else's, but I mean, you, you don't. You don't have to, I mean, there, it's just by nature. And, and that's not what I'm talking. That's, you know, our Adamic fall. And some of you are saying, did he just cuss in church? No, it's our, uh, our Adamic fall all the way back to Adam and sin nature and all of that and choice and free will. And you're not born with sin nature. And we have this propensity to sin, but that's not what I'm talking about necessarily. It's the fact that the, the uh, demons are tempting us. The evil one tempts us and entices us to sin. And obviously, God's not going to do that. The Bible says that. God can tempt no man. God is not going to tempt us. In fact, uh, not only is the evil one going to try to tempt you, in fact, the goal is not to get you to sin one time, but to actually trap you in sin. So it's not like, you know, to make it enticing and then you... You know, you sin, and then it's like, hey, and a lot of you have probably, we all have done this. Uh, hey, I'm never going to do that again. 
And uh, then we do it again because it looks enticing. We participate. And, and then uh, I'm never going to do it. Never, ever, ever do it again. Do it again. And so the evil one not only wants us to sin, not like at one time you hear this in college basketball, not like one and done, one year and you're done. You can go to the pros. He's not all about one and done. He actually wants to trap us. And so that sin becomes a pattern or sin becomes a habit or a behavior or an addiction. And, and we see this. This is still Paul. Look at uh, what he says. This is over in uh, the second letter he wrote to Timothy, he said, then they, and he's talking about people. He said, then they'll come to their senses. And that's what Paul's saying. I want them to come to their senses because if they'll come to their senses and realize what's going on, it will help them to read these, uh, read these few words with me, to escape from the devil's and that's what the devil wants to do, get you and I in a trap. For they have been held captive, look at this, by him, by the devil to do whatever he wants. So one of the things the evil one wants to do, it's not just our propensity to sin. It's not just that we just have that sort of our fallen nature, our damning nature. It's just this enticement, you know, to pull us into sin. And then once we're pulled into sin, to trap us in sin. Next, secondly, the devil or demons have as their mission to distract us and to deceive us to distract us from the purpose of God, to distract us from God's plan for our life, and really to deceive us. Now, uh, this is going to make sense to you once I communicate it, because this has happened to you, and it's happened to me, it's happened to all of us. On the front side, this is how the evil one works. On the front side, sin is minimized. You with me? On the front side of sin, sin is minimized. Hey, it's not that big of a deal. And hey, a lot of people are doing this. And a lot of people are actually doing a whole lot worse than that. And so it's not that big of a deal compared to most, most people. And a lot of the darkness that is prevailing in the world, like, you know, insidious stuff all over. This is really not that bad. This is just sort of minor. It's not a really big deal. Besides, a lot of people are doing a lot worse things than that. So on the front edge, uh, sin is minimized. But after sort of post sin, then here's what the evil one does. He maximizes it. It's like God can never forgive you. God doesn't love you. You've wrecked your life. You've wrecked your future. And so on the front side, does this make sense to you? Wave at me like this if it does. So it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Come on, you can sin. It's not. Look at what a lot of other people you work with and you know some of these uh, friends that uh, you have in your life, what they're doing. This is not a really big deal. And, and then when you, the back end of sin, it's like, hey, God doesn't love you. God can't use you. Your entire future. It's all goofed up. Now, here's another verse. Take a look at this. This is still Paul. He said, God's spirit clearly says that in the last days, many people will turn from their faith. Because I mentioned to you, the, the evil one is all about distraction and deception. Many people will turn from their faith. They will be fooled or deceived, hoodwinked, by evil spirits and by teachings that come from demons. All right? It's a little frightening, isn't it, in a sense? Another focus, another focus that the devil or demons have is to inflict suffering on the best of God's creation, and people are the best of God's creation. And the evil one wants to bring havoc and destruction. I've said this numerous times in the past. If you've been here any time at all, you've heard me say this or derivative of this. And it generally goes like this. I'll say something uh, along these lines. The devil is the one who often is dispensing pain and suffering and problems and death. And then who gets blamed for it? God gets blamed for it. That's why the devil's fun. I mentioned to you earlier, people just say, I don't even believe in the devil. It, devil's like fun. I'm all right with that. 
I don't necessarily want to, I just keep operating and it's fine. And, and a lot of times that happens. Somebody's going through a challenge. Somebody's going through, you know, pain in their life or suffering or like this, a mammoth test in their life. And the reflex is always blame God, blame God. It's got to be God. And, and yet the enemy, enemy, and there's so many passages I could take you to in regards to this, but the enemy, in addition to just trying to trap us in sin, to distract us from the purpose of God, to deceive us, to lie to us, in addition to that, he wants to create suffering and pain and problems in our lives. Now, so many examples we can go to in the Bible, and I'll just take you to one. And this is in the Gospels. Look at this. It's Matthew 17. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus, and he knelt before Jesus. He said, Lord, have mercy on my son. We don't know how old his son is. Have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. Uh, look at verse 18. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. He was healed from that moment. Suffering, pain, havoc. I want you to look closely at the contrast in this next verse. This is what Jesus is saying in John chapter 10 and verse 10. And the contrast is utterly obvious. Jesus is talking about the devil, Satan. He says, calls him in this case, the thief. He's also called the liar, the deceiver. The thief comes only to, what are these three words? Only to steal and kill and destroy, then Jesus tells us what he's come to do. I've come that they may have life. And what? Have it to the full. Some translation says have abundant life, a good life. And so the one who is wreaking havoc, the one, you know, who comes, Jesus said, the thief, the deceiver who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what, he, that's what his mission is. That's what he's up to. Um, you know, he's the one reaching havoc, wreaking havoc, and yet oftentimes for problems that God's not even remotely responsible for, he, he gets the blame. Now, I, I want you to, I'm going to ask a question, but it's rhetorical because I'm going to answer it. Why does the devil want to hurt you? You ever think about that? And he does. If, you know, if you believe he exists, I do. You'll never convince me otherwise. I hope you do because he is real, and I hope you understand. You know, and this is what I'm talking about and just sort of can't deal with everything about the devil and evil forces working in collaboration with him, but to get us to sin, but not only to sin, but to be trapped in sin, a pattern, a habit, an addiction, to deceive us, distract us from God's purpose, God's will for our life, to bring havoc and destruction and hurt and pain and suffering to our life. Now, here's why the evil one, it's simple when you think about it, but I want to just clarify the obvious. Why does the devil want to hurt you? Why does the devil want to hurt you? And here's the answer. All right, you ready for this? The devil wants to hurt you because he wants to hurt God. And one of the ways that he wants to hurt God is by hurting you, the prize of his creation. I'll give you an analogy. Do whatever you want to me. Has a parent ever said that? You ever... Have you ever said this as mom or dad? You can do whatever you want to me, but then it generally goes like this. But when it comes to my kids, how many of you know it's a totally different deal then? Does that make sense? And, and then now the stage of life that I am in now. When it comes to my kids, do whatever you want to me, but when it comes to my kids, but when it really comes to my grandkids, all right, now, now we're at a whole nother level. And, you know, to be 41 and have grandkids, that's amazing. That's, talk about miracles. 
Dr. Hackett, there's a miracle for you right there. Okay, it's also not honest, but, it, you know. Uh, but the devil wants to hurt you and me because he wants to hurt God. We'll put up with a lot, but we bring our kids into the picture. So, you know, and just trying to wreak havoc and destruction. Jesus said it. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. So, uh, let's do a timeout, all right, because I'm giving you a lot and a lot of things that you've heard, a lot of things that are being clarified for you. So let's do a, a timeout right here, and I'll just ask you, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? And some of you are saying, I'll tell you exactly. You're thinking that this seems kooky. This seems creepy, freaky to me. Or some of you are saying, now I'm afraid. You know, I wasn't afraid, but now I'm afraid. You know, now you're telling me some things, and, and I, I never realized this, and I'm afraid now. And uh, what, what can I do? What should I do? And I want you to hear this, and I want you to think it through, and then I want you to adopt it for your own life. Listen to this now. This is really, really important, really important. I don't have much time, so even though I'm from Georgia, I'm going to talk really, really quick, but you're going to have to listen quick. All right? So here's what I want you to know. I want you to consider who you are. I want you to consider uh, I, I'm so, wow, this is just weirding me out a little bit. This strange, never heard some of this stuff. I didn't know that, you know, the devil is, I just figured, you know, Halloween, pitchfork, little, you know, reds. And I, you know, I, I'm all this. And should I be afraid? And here's what I want you to know. You should not be afraid. Consider who you are. Who are you? Listen, if you are a Christian, you're a chosen uh, child of a most high God. If you're a Christian, you're a chosen child of a most high God. And furthermore, as a child of God, Listen to this now. This is so important. Even if you checked out, even if you started working on your grocery list or just staring at the person's head in front of you saying, how do they do that with their hair? If you've been doing that, I want you to just come back for a moment. If you're a child of God and you're a follower of his son, Jesus, and you have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, you have the name of Jesus. And because of the miraculous power that is operative in you, you do not need to be afraid, nor do you need to run from battle against these forces, rulers of darkness, powers in the spiritual world, as Paul talked about in Ephesians 6. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Listen, it is not about your power. It is about his power that is at work within you. If you're a Christian, if you're a chosen child of a most high God and you're a follower of Jesus, you have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Now, that ought to be good news for some of you. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to run from, from battle. Furthermore, you are not fighting the battle alone. You're not by yourself in this. And you are equipped with a power that does not originate in you. Let me just say it this way. The devil is not that threatened by you or by me. Does that make sense? But if you're a Christian, he is threatened by the Holy Spirit that resides within your life. You're a tabernacle. You're the temple. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so the evil one is not that afraid of you, but he is afraid of the Jesus that lives inside of you. Some of you have heard me tell this story, and it just comes back to me and playing, but some of you have not heard it. Uh, I, can, I can remember when I was a young boy, I mean, like, like preteen, we had the classic neighborhood bully in our neighborhood, and it's, um, you know, and he bullied everybody, and he bullied on me, which is quite surprising, being that, you know, I was 6'4 at the time. My spine settled a little bit over the years, but at, at the time, and, uh, you know, I was, but he, he is older and meaner. He's certainly meaner than me, because I've always been a nice guy. So he is like, 
like a real, and so he bullied me. In fact, I remember the day he just reared back and he punched me right on the chin as hard as he could. I mean, just punched me right on the chin. Fortunately, I have a jaw of steel and it didn't knock me out. I saw stars, but it didn't knock me out. And he's ready to bully me again. And you know what? He would have kept on bullying me again and again. But then I found out an answer to my dilemma. And that is I went and got my daddy. It's funny he didn't pick on me, Craig, when my dad was around. He wasn't afraid of me at all, but he was afraid of my dad. The devil is not afraid of you, but he's afraid of your father. He's afraid of the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you. So you don't have to be afraid. In fact, I love this. This is what Jesus did with his disciples. Look at this verse up here on the screen. And this is what Jesus does for us. It's not just reserved for them. Jesus called his 12 disciples together. And what did he do? He gave them authority. And he gives you authority. He gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and sickness. You and I do not possess the might necessary to defeat the powers of darkness. Let me say this again. I'm about out of time. I only have a minute and a half. You and I do not possess the might necessary to defeat the powers of darkness, but we can declare the name of the one who is able, the name of Jesus. So in closing, we do what we should do and what we need to do, and then we trust Jesus with all the rest. And Jesus is still working miracles today. Do you believe that? And he's working miracles on your behalf. Would you stand with me? And as you stand, I want to take you back. This was our theme verse in our recent Christmas series. But it's so fitting with what we're talking about, battles and forces of darkness. But I want you to look at this last verse. In fact, I want everybody to read it with me. John 1, 5 says this. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overpowered it. Jesus is the light. This is one of the descriptions Jesus said about himself. He said, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. And you have the power of Jesus at work within your life. Some of you, listen now, you're struggling with things. You're struggling with things. It's just like enemies just pounding you again and again. There's stuff going on in your life and your world, and I'm not trying to sound spooky or eerie about it and mystical and all that. I'm just saying the devil hates you and hates me because the devil hates God, and so he's just going to bring all kind of negativity against your life. He's going to entice you and me to sin. He wants to trap us in sin for it to become a habit or pattern. Some of you, when I said that earlier, you're like, mm, that's me. That's where I'm at. I'm going to pray that God is going to deliver you today, whatever it is, whatever that addiction or pattern or habit is. Some of you, some of you have become just over time distracted. You were once passionate about God. You were on fire for God and you were moving forward. And then there's like all these other distractions that are taking you off of center. What is God's plan for your life? And some of you are walking through some junk in your life, some pain, some challenges, some fears, some frustrations, some trials, because it's what the enemy is trying to use against your life. I love what Jesus said. Rebuke the devil, and he's got to flee. And you can do that. You say, can I do that? Isn't that life with the 12 disciples, like people in ministry, you know, full pastors and missionaries and such? No. You are a chosen child of the Most High God. And there has, listen to this now, been an authority invested in you. The Holy Spirit lives on the side of you. And the Bible says you can rebuke the devil. And he's got to flee. 
And you can do that. Even now while I pray for you, maybe you'd pray for yourself or somebody that you love. And just say, I rebuke the devil. He's not going to have, he's not going to have control in this area, that area of my life. I'm tired of him pushing me around and bullying me around. I'm going to stand in the presence of my father and allow God to fight my battles. All right, you ready? Father, we just thank you for that. And I just pray for any person here right now that just feels trapped, any person any person here that just feels like this is a pattern, I keep saying I'm not going to do it, and I keep doing it, and I do it again and again, and say I'm never going to do it again. And I've got this, and I say I'll never take that again, but I just go back and I take it again, never going to do that again, and go back. God, I just pray, I rebuke the devil in Jesus' name over their life, and I pray that it will be broken. For people that have become deceived and distracted, God, that you would speak truth and reality into their life again and reawaken their passion for you. And Father, we just know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to bring pain and suffering and havoc into our lives. But we stand, not in our power, not in our authority, but in the power of your name and the authority of the Holy Spirit that you have invested into our life. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I'm glad you were here today. Don't, whatever you do, miss next week. I love you, everybody. Have a great, great week.